0: All right, kids, join Mr. Eric and Ms. Tara. You guys can just go right, right now with them. We prayed for you already. I know you're getting robbed of a prayer. All right, I love you guys. See ya. All right, would you grab, you see how they're so trained? They just come on forward, they know what to receive. Grab your Bible, please. If you don't have a Bible, grab one that is in front of you. We are uh, in our second week of uh, the Advent season. And the first. Look at this. Just so you know, it is lit. Last week, we looked at. We started a series called He Came. And we we looked specifically at Luke chapter 4. And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus said that. Uh, he came for the purpose of the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to set free the captives. I have come to set you free. I, I'm breaking these chains that bind you. I, I, this is what I have come for. This is the purpose that I have come for. And this week we are looking um, at First John chapter two. 1 John chapter two, where. The author says, this is why he has come. He has come specifically for a purpose. And when we think of holidays, when we think specifically Christmas, when we think of the Christmas holidays, we think of joy, we think of celebrations, we think of food, we think of punch, we think of all these things. John, what was it that you said last week? You, when we think of Christmas, you think of Ray Rayner. We think of all these these things come to our mind, and a lot of times it's around the idea of joy to the world. The Lord has come, oh little town of Bethlehem. And we get all these warm fuzzies. This week, we are going to be looking at Christmas destruction. And that sounds sounds kind of odd about Christmas destruction, but Jesus says that He has come for A purpose. And I just real quick, like Christmas destruction. Sounds kind of antithetical. But look at 1 John 3, verse 8. 1 John 3, verse 8. We're going to read the whole thing. But I I want you to hear this from the get-go. The second half of that verse says this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil he came for destruction he came to destroy something now if if you were a little boy like my my little four-year-old Isaac he would love this stuff it's all about destroying you know he'll build this lego kinda thing he'll build this train set down the basement he and what does he do He'll come at it with a bat. Absolute destruction. And I don't know if it's the wiring of a little boy or what, but there's this idea of I just like to build and take down and destroy. And Jesus came not just as this beautiful little baby in a manger that we, we get this picture of, but he came for the purpose ultimately to destroy the works of the devil. Christmas destruction. So read with me. John, 1 John 2. Starting at verse 28. And we're going to read to 3 verse 10. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about everything, and is true and is no lie, just as it has been taught to you, abide in Him. Abide in Him. And now, little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. or known him little children let no one deceive you whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning the reason the son of god appeared was to destroy the works of the devil this is the word of the Lord so Jesus came for the purpose of destruction of destroying the works of the devil and I think that this is absolutely critical for us to understand because I think in in this time of Christmas and the Advent, we could get all warm and fuzzy, you know, chestnuts roasting over an open fire, you know, this whole Jack Frost nipping at your toes, oh, Jesus, 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 this is really nice, presents and all this kind of stuff. But th- the reality of the incarnation is that Jesus came for the purpose of to destroy something. He came to destroy something. And it says here, uh, I'm wanting to focus first on 3, verse 4, and 3, verse uh, 8, where it says that he came for the purpose to destroy sin, the works of the devil, and he came to destroy sin and lawlessness. But I think we've got to understand something about this sin and lawlessness, because that sounds, you know, lawlessness, okay, okay. We, we think about the, the the hoodlums that are out there and you know they're egging this or they're doing that you know that's lawlessness that's them out there you know we as good abiding law law abiding folks or uh, as christians that that doesn't really we are not lawless people in fact, we have a hard time even thinking that we're sinful right if I'd say you know he yeah, I think you're a sinful guy. He'd go, whoa, 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 whoa. Let, let, let's not judge. I might screw up a little bit, but let's let's not call it sin or lawlessness. But Jesus said, "Oh yes, this issue of sin is absolutely universal, and it impacts everybody. Sin from from all the way from Adam and Eve." That was the first act of lawlessness. Them basically saying, you know what? I am going to rebel against God. It, it is a direct violation of God and His rule and His reign and His provision and His care. His way that He has set up things. And God's saying, ah, oh, this is good. This is very good. It's absolutely perfect. And humanity's stepping in and saying, no, I've got a better way. I know what is best. It is a direct violation of God's rule and reign and His order, His way of ordering relationships, His way of ordering the universe. You see it in the smallest of children. Yes, lawlessness, sinful nature. It's not just getting on your little trike and going too fast down the street. But the sense of rebellion. Of selfishness at the earliest age. Of crying out and fighting and fussing. We think it's cute and adorable. It is us. You. Me. Looking into the face of God and saying, God, your law, your rule, your design, your way does not apply to me. I know better. I know better. That is, that's just the way it is, God. You say I should do this. I know, I know what Scripture says. As, even as Christians, you know, we, we know, okay, there's all kinds of stuff in here about gossip. There's stuff in here about jealousy, fits of rage. There's stuff in here about anger. There's stuff in here about adultery. And it's not just the kind of adultery where it's like, this man is going to go sleep with this woman or this woman's going to go sleep with this man. But Jesus even goes on and says, listen, it's even your thoughts. You think about it. And you have committed adultery. All of this is lawlessness. Lawlessness. But we, somehow we have a way of just kind of glossing over and making things look prettier, or writing it off. Well, you know, I'm human. Well, boys will be boys. How often have you heard that one? Well, boys will be boys. What do you expect? Don't touch. Boys will be boys. Well, you know what? She did this and we're just talking. God says this is Lawlessness. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor. It's lawlessness, it is sin. And he says some very hard things here about this. Look at verse 4 with me. Read it. Read it as I'm reading, it says, "Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Jump down to verse eight. Follow along. It says, "Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the <laughs> of the devil." All right. I feel like we've got to kind of have this AA meeting. Who makes a practice of sinning? liars It is true You know and so there, there's this whole thing of oh my gosh verse 9 or go go to verse 6 No one who abides in him being Christ no one who abides in him keeps on sinning And no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him What in the world I am damned because I keep on sinning. I'm going to walk out of this place, probably even before then, I'm going to sin, period. And no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Verse 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. So why in the world do we keep on sinning? Why is it that in the Christian world, in our little Christian bubble, pornography is such a big issue? Why is it that lust is such a big issue among Christians? Why is it that lying Cheating, stealing, gossip is such a big issue. And it says here, if you keep on doing these things, then apparently you are of the devil. What do you do with this stuff? Praise be to God for verse 8. The reason that the Son of God of god came was to destroy the work of the devil i want to give you a little bit of background a little bit of peace because when i first read through this i'm going there's no hope for paul room none there's no hope because I, i daily sin so therefore i must be a child of the devil in the Greek, it kind of adds a different layer. It's kind of hard to get it in the, uh, in the English. But this, this idea of keeps on sinning or a practice of sinning is talking about one who remains in a sin and continues to do it. Okay? So let's, you in your own mind, what is your pet sin? In your own mind, this is not a, your confessional. In your own mind, what is that that area that seems to hold you captive? Here we go. That area. Whatever it is. I first need to do this. I need to remind you of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 through the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to set the captives free. To give sight to the blind. To bring healing. Jesus has come for the purpose of setting you free from that area. So the first thing that we have got to do is believe the Gospel that He has come to set us free. And do you believe that He has come to set you free of your areas of sin and captivity that just hold you down, that tie you up, and it's like, I can't get out of this. Do you believe that Jesus has come to set you free? If you do not believe that, we have to keep working on that. But He has come to set you free. And if He has come to set you free, number two, He has come to destroy those works. Those things that have captivated you. He's not just saying, hey, I've come to set you free. Good luck. He has come to set us free and is working with us to destroy the works of the devil. To absolutely destroy them in our lives. Destroy them. So if it's gossip, if it's lust, if it's apathy... Whatever it it may be, He has come to set you free from those things and has come to destroy them completely. And the beautiful thing is, in this, it is an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process. If your issue is bitterness... And you know in your heart of hearts, Lord, I am bitter against family. I'm bitter against this man. I'm bitter against this woman. I'm bitter against the church. I'm bitter against my employer. I'm bitter against this, whatever it is. And God just puts that in your heart and you go, Lord, I do not want to be captivated by that any longer. Lord, would you break that? And you totally surrender that area that in your life and say, Lord, here it is. Break these chains. Set me free. And Jesus says, Ah, it's about time. Because I've come to destroy that work in your life. I've come to destroy it. Whatever that is, it's done. And it's going to be a lifetime of making it done. For some of you, you've experienced a miraculous breaking of chains and God breaking... A cycle. Maybe it's a family cycle. Maybe it's a a mental thing that is going on in your head. Maybe it's a financial thing. Whatever it is, you've just seen miraculously God intervening and breaking those chains. And there's no desire, no appetite for that sin. Praise be to God. But you know what? For some of us, it is a lifelong battle of putting to death sin. Sin. You see, in the Christian life, sin, lawlessness, is absolutely incompatible to the life of a Christian. The practice of continuing sin, lawlessness, is absolutely incompatible to the life of a Christian. It just does not match up. And you can see it here. John is just saying, look, there's these two kinds of people. The one who practices righteousness, the one who practices sin, the one who does this, and the one who does this. There's no third party in there anywhere, is there? There's no room for the lukewarm, medium-ish, I'm trying to be a good moral person. You're either doing this, or you are this. This is who you are. And so, Christian Christmas destruction should bring us tremendous amount of joy and peace and hope. Do you get this? That It's incompatible for me to be that. And I know this brings me great joy that Jesus Christ came to destroy these works because I have no desire to be that. I, in fact, I desire to be holy. I desire to be pure like Christ. Look at verse 3. It says, and everyone who thus hopes in who? Him. It's not Paul or himself, you. Everyone who thus hopes in him. Christ Jesus places all their hopes, all their desires, all their themselves fully. They find themselves in Christ. Their identity is in him. Whoever puts themselves fully in him and hopes in his Canceling sins, setting us free. Whoever places their full self in Him and His restorative work in our lives purifies Himself. Just as He, Christ, is pure. You see, Christ in Himself, this is a comment about a commentary on Christ Himself. For as He, Jesus Christ, is pure. It is Jesus' absolute nature to be pure. His absolute nature to be pure. He didn't work on it. It didn't happen over time. He came as God in the flesh, sinless, though tempted, perfect. Holy. And as a believer, as a believer, it it talks about how in verse uh, 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in us. God's seed, the gift of of Christ in us abides in us. The Spirit of Christ dwells within us. Do you get that? The Spirit of Christ, the pure One, the Holy One, lives within us. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians, this idea, Christ lives in me. Do do you get that? And does that get you excited? I am tell. I could tell. Christ in me, the Holy One, the Righteous One, the Perfect One, the One who has satisfied my debt, dwells within me by His Spirit, dwells within me. And therefore, there is this ongoing work of becoming pure and holy. Christmas destruction. But we also need to hear about Advent, about the Christmas anticipation. We talked a little bit last week of how Christ came and He will come again, but daily in our lives He is coming. And He's here and He's available. And Scripture here talks about how He is on His way he, we are anticipating something absolutely beautiful, something very exciting. You look at verse 29 and 3, verse 2. You see this uh, this idea of uh, of him becoming, coming, and appearing again, his arrival again. And there's this anticipation for us as Christians of yes Christ is in me and he is going to he is making me holy he's making me pure he broke the chains that bound me he put to death the, he is putting to death the sin in my life he is destroying the works of the devil but he is coming again and I am anticipating that day when everything is perfect I can't wait for that day When Jesus comes again when he there, there is An eminent day of his return where every eye will turn and see Jesus Christ come. And we will see him as he is. There will be no questions. The world will have no more qualms, any more debates about uh, what about Muslim, what about this, what about this, what about this. Jesus is going to come and say, I'm here. I told you. And you see me in all of my glory and splendor and power and majesty. I am God. I've come to redeem you. I'm taking home my own. Those who have claimed the name of Jesus Christ and trusted in me and have seen me destroy the works of the devil, it is now complete. And we will see him as he is. And in that moment, something absolutely beautiful will happen. We will fully see ourselves fully redeemed, fully restored. Perfect. Perfect. If that doesn't get you excited, wow. My ongoing anticipation Lord, make me holy. Because g- go back up to twenty-eight, and now little children abide in Him. In other words, remain, be grafted, be stuck, get get in Him, abide and stay right there, so that wh- so that what when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him. The day of Christ's return, we're not going to go. Oh crap! Oh, He's here. But the day that He returns, we are going to, with confidence, Lord Jesus, You are here! I've been waiting and I am not shrinking back because I have been working out my salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that You are holy and You desire the best me ever. Working out all those things. And on that day, on that final day we can stand with confidence before him as we are that is christmas anticipation his his second coming is huge and i don't think that we got a big picture of his second coming and his uh, of eternity it's beautiful It is beautiful, but it requires us to fix our eyes upon him. Really, to fix our eyes on him. I've heard it said that you become like what you behold. You become like what you behold. What you, what you love and worship and adore. You become like that. What is it this morning that you you behold? That you worship and adore? And honestly, some of you, if you're really honest, the thing that you love and adore and you behold and you hold tightly is yourself. You love you. You love you and your agenda. You love you and your personality. Because I am just the coolest thing out there. Look at me. I've I, I got the I've got the best job, I've got the best situation, I've got the best guy, I've got the best girl, I've got the best people, I've got the best car, I got. I love me, I'm not going to change me. And you know what? You're, you're going to become well, like what you behold. You! And here Jesus said, no, your identity is to be children of God. Your adoption, you are adopted into the family of God and your father it's glorious. Christ has come to set you free. Set your eyes on him. He is it. He is the pure one, the righteous one. Set your eyes on him. Some of the things that we worship are what in our culture. Throw them out. What? Money. You what things, objects. What else? Sex. Fame, entertainment. Children. you become like what you behold have you ever seen that Uh, i'm this is a total caveat parents who love their children and worship their children what do they become (laughs) yes they become children themselves don't they because their world is so wrapped up in their kids and they become selfish and oh no 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 protect my kids and get them away and you you ugh. get over yourself. We we become like what we behold. My prayer for us is that we behold Christ in this Advent season and beyond, that we behold Christ. That we adore him and worship him and keep our eyes fixed on him and our, our sanctification is for the purpose of becoming like him that's it that we behold him and here's the last thing so we got Christian. Christmas destruction. He's come to destroy. The, he set us free to destroy the works of the devil. And after that, there is this sense of deep anticipation and longing and waiting and working towards a puri- purifying our lives, our souls, our minds to become like Christ. We're anticipating his second coming. But there's also the Christmas option. And this is where it gets extremely politically un- incorrect. Incorrect. And I love it. Verse 10. He is absolutely very clear here. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. There are two classes of people in the church and there are two classes of people in the world. The children of the devil... Which does not sound politically correct at all, does it? And I would not encourage you to go into Burkats or to Jewel in any and go, oh, you're children of the devil. You know, because that really doesn't get you, doesn't beg an audience. But there are two groups of people in the world. And if we believe that Scripture is true, I'm not going to argue with this. There are two people. Those who practice lawlessness and say God my way is the best way or I don't even know if there is a God my way is the best way I will do whatever I want I'm gonna live my life like I want I'm going to do this I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this and this is all about me and myself I am the center of the universe maybe my family's center of the universe we're it we're God we're this that is the first category you are the children of the devil where it's all about you. And my, my thing is, I, I just really wonder how many of this, this here today this really is. Because you know what the, the devil really wants to do? He is going to make being a child of his the easiest thing possible. It's going to feel natural. I'm just going to I'm going to make some good coin. I'm going to make a name for myself. I'm going to gather up as much as I can. Cuz that feels really nice and good, doesn't it? And we become slaves to sin. We become slaves to our particular thinking, our particular way of doing things, the things that give us an appetite. We become slaves to that. We practice lawlessness. And ultimately, as a child of the devil, we ultimately deserve death apart from God. Because that's what happens. Apart from God, there is no hope. There is No peace. None. So men. Women. High school, college, wherever you are in your life. Have you so... Identified with Christ. That you have died. The Christian life is to have a perfume of death. As I am constantly dying to me. Because I have tasted. And seen. John, John 1, or 3, 1, 3 verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us? That we should be called children of God, and so we are! Children of God is the second category, the second option. We are adopted if you have received the gift of grace from Jesus Christ. And you have, you're beholding Him. And you are desiring to become pure in all your thoughts, your actions, your whole life. To be identified with Christ. That is a gift. And that is beautiful. David Jackman says this though about us. I love this. We are in living contact with the conqueror. All His resources are always available. If it is true that only Christ can live A righteous life. It is also true that His life is implanted in us when we are born again. Nicodemus, how do I get? How am I born again? I'm an old man. Do I crawl back in the womb and be born again? No. It's it's the life of Christ implanted within you. And when we sin, it is because we are failing to allow Christ's risen life. In all its power to flow into our thoughts and motives, our circumstances and experience, bringing us His victorious resurrection power. This morning, you know we don't do altar calls. Come forward just as I am. And weeping. But... Do you need to respond this morning? Because the devil wants to make it as easy as possible. In fact, he'd like to make it as religious as possible. Just show up to church. You're all right. Don't worry about the rest. Keep on living. You've been doing it for generations. Your family's been doing good for years. Just show up. Ephesians says this For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two so making peace and going on to say and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross there By killing the hostility. He is our peace. He is our hope. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through Jesus Christ. That is it. You're either a child of the devil or you are a child of God because you have received the free gift of grace and He has made peace For you through the cross of Jesus Christ, taking on the wrath of the Father so that you can have life. That is hope that will not pass away. It's an unfading crown, it's an adoption that will not be traded off. It's a price that has been paid. So do you need to respond? Do you need to respond for the first time saying, Lord, I've been doing religiosity all my life and it is a bunch of bunk. I've been doing the good church thing. And I need to receive Jesus Christ and all the gifts that come from that. And I offer my life in return. Or maybe you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And as we prepare for communion, you need to do some deep examination. Deep examination and just say, sin is incompatible. It is absolutely incompatible for the life of a believer in Jesus Christ. Sexual immorality, lust, worldliness, apathy, greed, gossip, spiteful words, bitterness. It is absolutely incompatible in the life of a Christian. Therefore, Lord, I confess my sins before You, knowing that You are faithful and just to forgive me from all my unrighteous deeds and acts and thoughts. And together, Lord, by the power of Your Spirit, Your life in me, Your resurrection power, today, I put to death these things by Your power. They will no longer hold me captive. I trust you fully. These things no longer hold meaning or purpose in my life. Or take me. Take me. So as we come in a minute or two to the table, it is open to anybody Who has identified with Christ in such a way that they, not just, uh, yeah, I believe this. This is that's good stuff. Such a way that they behold Him, they desire Him, they worship Him. They are giving their all to Him. This table is open to you. It's not open to perfect people. Because if you think that you're perfect, (laughs) earlier in First John he says you're a liar. And the truth is not in you. The table is open to imperfect people desiring to be reminded of His love and His continual forgiveness. So if you have confessed with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ was raised from the dead, this meal is open to you. Let's pray. God, my prayer is that this morning, for some of us, for all of us, that it is absolutely crystal clear of what needs to be destroyed within us. And that You, Jesus, have come to destroy those works you've come to destroy sin lawlessness our rebellion and to give us a a heart of flesh that loves you more than anything else god i just pray that this morning as the words of your your holy scriptures were were read as they we expounded upon them lord that our hearts understand the gospel that we understand it with fresh eyes and fresh minds, that we have a deeper understanding and appreciation. But not just that, Lord, that we have deeper worship of you with our entire lives. Lord, that we 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 understand and we we live into the. We are not satisfied with unholy lives anymore. We're not satisfied with casual gossip. We're not satisfied anymore with. Uh, sinful uh, images. We're, we're no longer satisfied with gluttony. We're no longer satisfied with just casualness in our Christian walk. Because we love you. And you're seed of salvation and hope that Christ is in us. And we want to, on that last day, we so, we so want to come before you with confidence and not shrink back. Knowing that Christ is in us. So God, in these next few moments, as we break bread, As we are reminded of your body that's broken for us. As we are reminded of your, your blood that was poured out for us. So that we can have hope. So that we can have life now and beyond. So that we can live the lives that you have designed us to live. As we are preparing our hearts, God. Remind us of the gospel. Remind us that You, Jesus, the Righteous One, came. Lived a life that we could not live because of our rebellion, because of our sinful nature. You came and lived the life and became the sacrifice. The perfect Lamb of God Who took away the sins of the world. Who took on the wrath of the Father so that we might have peace. So that we may be reconciled with the Father. And so that we can be a light to the world. Bringing Christ to the nations. Bringing Your glory out. Jesus, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your faithfulness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.